Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Hey, hey, everyone. Adam Kipnis here for the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Always appreciate everyone jumping on and listening to get a few nuggets. What we do on the show is interview everyday entrepreneurs and what they've gone through and what they've learned from that you can learn from. It's always great to hear from really big names and, and really super famous people, but sometimes they're in a different place than you are. But the folks that I bring on the show have been where you are and have found ways to overcome learned lessons, and they're here to give back and help you as small business owners. So appreciate you taking some time with us today. As always, our show is sponsored in part by powertexting.com. The folks at powertexting.com are always gracious in giving away a free vacation to one lucky listener of every podcast that I do, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a little bit so you can uh, register to win a free vacation. There's about 17 places around the world, uh, five-star resorts that you can stay at. So it's a pretty cool gift that powertexting.com gives to us here on the show. And my focus has always been client attraction. Every business needs clients to continue to grow and continue to prosper. But there's a lot that goes into it before just getting clients. And I outline that in my book at freebookfromadam.com. So I recommend that you download that. It's eight simple strategies you can implement today that don't cost any money on marketing or advertising in order to begin to attract clients now. So stay tuned for more information on the trip, and hopefully uh, you enjoy the book at freebookfromadam.com. Today, I've got a, a really interesting guest. I'm really excited to talk to her because she's done a, a lot of things. She works with small businesses who are looking really to change or, or maybe need to pivot in order to actually reach their goals. They're on a path, but it's not fully working. So what can they do to help pivot their business a little bit or a lot in order to reach the goals that they're looking for? Jen McFarland, I appreciate you taking some time today to help out our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. And I want to get, you've you've done a lot and you've got some interesting twists in your story that I want to get to. But the first thing I always like to talk about is really learning how did you get here. Some people are born selling, you know, candy to grade schoolers. Other people find their entrepreneurial path later in life. What led you to starting your own business and and doing things for yourself versus the traditional path? Oh, wow. I mean, this is such a great question. So, I think that I, I would say that I would be more on the later in life trajectory. I always wanted to have a business, and I was so concerned about, what. well, what would I do? What could I possibly do? And instead of just seeing what was right in front of me, which is that I love solving problems, I love helping people usher in changes. And what I found was about three or four years ago, I was working in a large organization doing uh, tech project management, like, six- and seven-figure projects over and over again. And I had all of these friends who were small business owners on their entrepreneurial journey, and they just kept finding these really bad providers out there. But they weren't planning their projects. They weren't um, taking the time to really find the right people to help them. And I was like, oh, well, I can help with that. 
and I just started building my business from there. It kind of just evolved um, from there. It also, it's always helpful when you don't really like your job. <laughs> at, least, at least that was the case for me. So I didn't really enjoy my job, and I had this opportunity, and I just seized on it. And here I am, you know, three or four years later, just loving everything about what I'm doing. That's awesome, and, and uh, there are a lot of people out there who probably didn't love their jobs, and that's how they got started, or people who may be listening who don't like their jobs currently and, and are looking to find a way to get started. And I wanted to ask you a question about something you just said, and that's the project management side of running a business, especially as a small business where, where you're wearing a lot of hats and, and you're trying to sell your product and, and you're trying to get the business off the ground. Most people can lose sight of the project management side and making sure things get done. How have you and your business been able to incorporate that in and what advice do you have for, for business owners and how to focus on getting the projects done, the, day, the things they need to get done on a larger scale along with the day-to-day? -day? Oh, wow. I mean, the balance is always hard, right? Uh, you know, when I train people on this, I, the model I use is about time, money, and value. And if you're a small business owner, you only have so much time and you only have so much money and you always want to maximize the value for what you're getting. And so if you keep those things in balance, that's where the magic happens, right? And that would be the case if, you know, you don't want to spend, like you, you work on client attraction, so you don't want to spend all of your time focusing on one element of client attraction and then never finding any clients right? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Well, the same is true if you want to make a change in your organization or if you want to maximize a tool like social media. It's about putting all of those things in balance. A lot of the work that I do is with different technology projects or when somebody wants to do something new. And a lot of times I talk to business owners, they fall into two camps. But, so let's go with the first one, which is I know what I want. I want to do it now. And so they kind of like throw the baby out with the bathwater and they just start, you know, like a bull in a china shop and going. And so what oftentimes happens is you spend too much money and you haven't done any research to make sure that you're getting the right value. So the other people fall in the other camp, which is people who want to plan and plan and plan, um, but don't get into the execution part, right? Um, and, and that's just as dangerous because you're wasting a lot of money doing that and you're researching it, but you're not getting any value out of it at all because you're not even getting out there and doing it. So the way that I talk to my clients about it is, look, if you want to paint your house, you don't just let the painter pick the color and come whenever they want. You actually decide and set up the parameters for what it is that you want. You maybe talk to a few painters, you develop a calendar, set up a budget for how much you can afford for something to cost, and then you get exactly what you want. And the same is true in your business. So you have, to, you have to plan ahead and have a budget in mind for what you want to spend on something, and then talk to some professionals to make sure that that's a reasonable budget and a reasonable timeline. And the people who usually get left behind are the tech people who maybe even are going to say you can't do it that way. So you have to like build in a little bit of extra time so that your change um, initiatives are successful. And because the time money value piece is so tight for a small business owner, it almost 
heightens the need for planning um, more so than a large company who can make mistakes and then just recover and do something else. It's a really interesting perspective because a lot of uh, personal development books or personal development speakers always talk about taking action and it's all about the action. If you don't take action, you won't have success. And a lot of business owners get stuck in the planning part, as you were saying. So how do you find the balance between them? Because you need to take action, but you need to take the right focused action. And lots of people are on either end of the spectrum. How do you bring them to the middle so they benefit from both sides? <laughs> Right, and and that is that's the key, right? So so what this is the underlying structure is like you need you need to keep the time money value in balance, right? And and then it's about the discernment of saying if there there has to be a tipping point for taking imperfect action. I mean, you have a podcast, I have a podcast. I think we both know that when we started, it was crazy and things maybe weren't working exactly how we wanted it to, <laughs> you know, you learn as you go and then you, there's some refinement. But if you never go, then you don't really know if something is working or not. So my piece is you have to plan a little because if you don't, then it's a disaster and you might actually embarrass yourself. But you have to take action as well because otherwise you don't have any idea if anything is working or not. And so it is, when I work with people, it's about uncovering some of those um, fears that might be keeping you from taking action on the one end of the spectrum, which is um, to say that people want to do the, quote, right thing um, all the time, even though there's more than one right way of doing things. I think we've all found. And then on the other end of the spectrum is the idea of, it's cool, you can go, but be mindful of all of these other pieces um, and the things that might be left behind. A big part of change actually is the communication part. So if you're a solopreneur, it is important to have some sort of accountability group and people who are supporting you as you want to go through the change, not just um, you know, service providers or coaches, but colleagues that are familiar with you that can support you and remind you that you're staying on track and, and need to get some things done. Um, I think that one of the things that gets lost um, also, especially if you're a small business owner, say you have, you know, anywhere from one to, you know, 20 employees, is when you want to make a change is to loop those people in as well. Because if you have any frontline staff, then they can tell you how things are working and maybe some of the assumptions that you're making um, are a little bit um, off base and you want to make sure that you're still delivering that gold standard um, to your clients that are out there. So there are some pieces to take and to, some things to take into consideration before you even take that imperfect action. Um, but it doesn't have to take very long. It can be a quick turnaround. So um, because I would say that people who say just take that action, um, they probably wouldn't want to go in to get their hair cut and walk out with like a purple mohawk unless that's actually what they asked for. <laughs> so the, the purple mohawk is an interesting <laughs> metaphor to use, but but I think it's um, it, the people who are listening to this show. Obviously, they're listening because they they want to learn more. They they want to make change in their business. They may not call it change, right? Because change is such a such an ambiguous term. 
but they want to do something different, so that's why they're obviously listening to you and I talk and hopefully getting some nuggets. But for those who are in that spot where they know they want better or they know they want more, how do they identify where that change or where that more should come from? Oh, that's interesting. So where I, um, and the purple mohawk is honestly, <laughs> I use that because it usually gets a chuckle, right? But, but when people say, well, I don't really care how things happen, right? And I'm like, yes, you do. You wouldn't like just go into your, because uh, I work with, with a lot of women. So I'm like, you wouldn't go into your hairstylist and say, just do whatever you want because you don't want to walk out with a purple mohawk. <laughs> and then people just kind of laugh because that's when they realize they need to take control over their own business, right? You need to take the reins. Um, but when somebody is making a change or is evaluating how things are going, right, and you're like, you know, some of these things just seem to be too hard or take too long, and then there are other things that I just really love to do, I think it's really important to write the things down and acknowledge all of the things that are working and why they're working and then look at the things that maybe aren't going as well and think about maybe why they're not going as well. And this is a process that you don't, you can do a brain dump or you can and do it all in one session or you can like slowly go through your typical week and just kind of record the things that are working and not working. And the, that is the underlying premise for um, making any sort of, shift, I think, in your business is, you know, are, in, is, are invoices taking too long? Do you just not like to do it? Well, maybe you need to find somebody else to do it besides you because money in the door is a big deal, <laughs> you know? I mean, and so you have all these opportunities throughout your week, um, and if you're not paying attention to it and you're not recording it and maybe making a list, um, then you're missing all of these chances um, to write the ship tighten your processes, and spend more time on the things that you like to do in your business or even just spend more time with your family. No, I, I totally agree because I, I find when working with, with my clients, so many of them get so into what they're doing and, and the business begins to run them a little bit. And mm -hmm. while they may listen and say, oh, that makes sense. I should probably uh, think about what I'm doing. I should probably take a day to to look at my business and figure out where I can make tweaks, but they never find that day. When you're working with clients, how do you get them to step back from their business and actually take the time, whether it's a half an hour a week or whether it's a full day once a quarter, in order to really gain more perspective about where their business is and what they can change? <laughs> um. Man, you're asking the hard questions today. All the hard questions. Uh, <laughs> Nothing's easy at 7 a.m. on the West Coast where we are. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Nothing's easy at 7 a.m. Um, yeah, I think that I think that that's when it's really time to have um, have a real conversation with yourself. I think that when we look at the top performing leaders just in the world, um, whether it's uh, Warren Buffett or Steve Jobs or, I mean, you could just go down the line, Bill Gates, they all made time for um, deep work or some sort of meditation practice or some sort of mindfulness. I mean, I think that if you look at Warren Buffett, he, he is recording, like, what's going on 
and how things have gone. I mean, he'll talk about that when he makes a major decision, he's writing things down and then later looking at it to see what his thought process was, whether the outcome was good or bad. And so I think that when we talk about making time for reflection and a little bit of um, mindfulness around what we are doing, why we're stressed out, how, how things are going, I really think that what we're talking about is how to be a better leader and how to um, take yourself to another level. And so the question that I ask a lot of people is if they're willing to take that time so they can get ahead and they can go um, to that new place. And we are all leaders who are aspirational in one way or another and when we start to see these patterns for how people break up their day, I'm not suggesting you go and do some morning routine like just because Oprah does it, but I will say that there are some patterns and a lot of it comes down to uh, reflection and understanding your decision-making process. And once you're doing that and taking the time for that, then some of these other pieces really start to fall into place. So when I work with my clients, I really encourage them um, to carve out some time and gain some of that discernment around kind of their why and then which is like why are you in business and, and why are you stressed out and how are, how are you making these decisions and then everything becomes much more clear. I mean, I think when we have more clarity, then we as leaders are better positioned um, to navigate this really crazy pitfalls of entrepreneurship that happens sometimes. Yeah, that, that's so true. And, you know, every day is different in, in the life of an entrepreneur because the phone could <laughs> ring and that could throw off your entire schedule for the day because a client needs you for something or, or something changes in their business. And, and sometimes it could be, you know, something that's long time in coming but just manifests in a particular day and everything changes. So when those things happen and you're trying to create time in order to, to be reflective, in order to, to always focus on your why, is there something that, that you guide people on to help break that, that short-term pattern that they're in of just going through the motions? Are there any tips or tricks on how to sort of reset yourself in order to create the time that you need? <laughs> well, actually, I have a good story about this because of what happened to me last week. Um, so it happens to everybody, right? And I was telling all of my friends and colleagues that last week um, I felt like my entire week was in the washing machine. And I think that that happens to everybody. So on Monday night, we had our car parked in front of our house and um, somebody ran into the back of it, totaled the car, and we spent the entire week, my husband and I, working on um, what are we going to do? Like, we had to tow the car away. We had to deal with insurance. Then the car was totaled. Then we had to buy a new car. <laughs> like, you know, and this meant that my entire week I had to clear my appointments. I had to still fit in some client work. Um, there were no guest appearances on the podcast. I mean, everything got upside down, and I was working until 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night fitting in different things. So I had no typical work week. And then I, over the weekend, I, I reset, right? And I was like, okay, I'm going to get up. I'm going to have some quiet time. I'm going to 
think about everything that had happened, think about my day, think about what I want my weekend to be like. And, and then I did the same thing today where I had a little bit of quiet time and thought about all the things I had to do because last week was in a washing machine. And so it is about setting up that pattern. So for me, I do, I do all of my like sorting through stuff in the morning because that's a good time for me to set an intention for the day. Like here's what I want to do. Here are my top three things that I want to accomplish. I'm going to spend some time just kind of resting my brain <laughs> and then I'm going to launch into my day, right? Um, and so for everybody, there are these things that happen that you have no control over, whether it's inside of your business or outside of your business. Um, but the one thing that you do have control over are these squirreling away, these little pieces of time um, that you have that are just for you and that are just going to help you think about things and be a little bit more clear about your day. And so what I encourage people to do is to have, and it doesn't even have to be like an hour, it can just be like, can't you just take 15 minutes in the morning or in the evening or at lunchtime and spend that time really considering what your goals are and what it is that you'd like to do. And I can tell you, right now I have an ebook on my website, jenmcfarland.com, about digital distraction, and I can almost guarantee you that you're spending way too much time on your smartphone and you could scale that back a little bit <laughs> and, and have a little bit more time for yourself to really discern how you're feeling and how things are going. It's interesting that you bring that up because uh, for all the iPhone users out there, iPhone now has this new thing that tells you how much screen time you've had for the week and whether it's higher mm -hmm. than lower than the prior week. Um, Jen, I don't know if, if you've got an iPhone or if that's popped up on your screen, but for some reason oh, yeah. when I get that and it says, you used, you know, 7% less screen time, somehow I'm oddly proud of myself um, that, <laughs> that, I, that I put the phone down a little bit more. We're talking to Jen McFarland here on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast, talking about creating time and creating change and not just change, but finding opportunities to pivot in your business. And Jen, everybody's story, everyone's history um, helps and, and determines where they go in the future. And, and you've got an interesting past in that you were in the Peace Corps and you went to Kazakhstan and you were there for two years and that led to some really interesting experiences and perspective on what you do today. How did that come about and what did you learn from that experience that helps you today? Oh, wow. Uh, well, so I always wanted to be in the Peace Corps. And I had a girlfriend when I was in college who went overseas in the Peace Corps, and uh, this was in the 90s, so people still wrote letters to each other. <laughs> and I have all these letters somewhere that, you know, I would write to her, and sh then she would tell me all about her adventures. And I always just thought that that was the coolest thing. And about, I would say it was about five years after I got married, uh, my husband and I said, why not? We should go do it too. And, we, and at the time, we lived um, in Arizona, and so we went from a place where it was 120 degrees sometimes in the summer to Kazakhstan, which can be uh, negative 40 degrees. Um, and when it's that cold, it's both Celsius and um, Fahrenheit. And it was a lovely experience. I mean, and it was hard and amazing. And at the same time, you, you get um, confronted on a daily basis with not being – 
like everybody else. And as much as we enjoyed the experience, I think the biggest learning for me was around realizing that when um, you're seen as different, that that can lead to some negative side effects. So for example, we always paid more at the market because we were American, so we had American prices, which was more expensive than anybody else in the village. Um, people would forget to tell us when there was a school holiday. We were teachers. And believe me, it matters. When it's negative 20 degrees and it takes you a half an hour to put all of your cold, cold weather clothes on, <laughs> and then you're walking in, you know, uh, uh, on ice and snow, to the school because we don't drive in the Peace Corps. And you go through all of that hassle and then there's a padlock on the school. Those kinds of situations, all of that adds up and it really becomes aggravating. And so I went from being really angry about it and thinking about how completely unfair that was um, to thinking about why, you know, why, why am I so mad about this? And that's because I realized these are the types of things that don't happen to me at home. You know, in America, we all know when the holidays are and we all, you know, and we get treated well. And I started to realize that I have, I, it's when you become aware of how much, um, how many advantages there are to um, how, how privileged I am and how much I have here in the States and that maybe there are some other people um, in my community at home in the States that don't have those experiences. And so when I returned back to the States, I started working um, with a few different organizations in equity, and I've become a real equity champion. And so now I work um, pretty much exclusively with women and people of color in building their business. Um, because there are certain times, not all the time, <laughs> when it's a little bit harder to navigate business um, as women and people of color. That, that's so true, and, and, and in, the, in the, the notes that you gave me as I was preparing for the show, you used the, the words cultural competency, and here in the States, we, we hear a lot about the divisions that we have in um, whether it's color or whether it's location or whether it's religion, but when you go to a foreign country, and I had the, the, the opportunity to live in Prague for a year, so, so I understand where you're coming from. When you think about cultural competency, we have that every day in our country, and it's understanding different cultures and understanding how to relate to them in business. With the, the people of color and the women that you work with, how do you help them navigate the different culture that they may come from and how to relate to the everyday buyer? Because there are some differences that, that need to be focused on. Absolutely. Uh, I think that, and I think that you know this too with the work that you do, um, you know, it's, it's about knowing um, as much, learning as much as you can about who your ideal audience is, who are your ideal clients, where do they hang out, what are they, what are they doing, um, and then what are some of the challenges and struggles that they are facing um, that may be, um, may not even have anything to do with with what you offer or the services that you provide. Um, because certainly I don't, I, I don't understand 
some of the issues that my clients face um, because I'm not a person of color. I'm also not Muslim. I was in a Muslim country. Um, and there are certainly some religious issues that are going on in, in all of our communities. Um, so I think that it's about learning what you can. And even if it is not the same cultural experience that you have, it's about acknowledging um, that there are differences um, and sometimes it's just about having that acknowledgement for the fact that we are all different and we all come from different experiences. And you can, you can really reach a new audience if you're just able to be um, culturally competent. Or there's, there are a couple of different uses of that term. So there's cultural competency, which is um, being able to navigate the fact that we all have different experiences and allowing, holding space for that and, and allowing those differences to occur and allowing people to share their experiences without correcting that or, saying, or making somebody else's experience wrong. Um, it's just about holding space for that. And you can get really far with people <laughs> if you just acknowledge and see some of those differences. Um, in a, in in another way is is to look at it is um, is it's called eth being ethno relative and it just means that we are all it's kind of that same spectrum of cultural competency but it a lot of times in in the states what we hear is a lot more ethnocentric like America's the best and this is how everybody should live and being ethno relative is saying well we really like it here. <laughs> this, is how, this is how we choose to live, um, but there are other right ways to live. And a lot of people here, um, we don't all get that far, <laughs> but if we can just be a little bit more culturally competent, um, boy, we can, build some, we can build some really beautiful things together as a business community. I love that, and, and I love that you say acknowledgement because it starts with if you can acknowledge that somebody has a different perspective from the way they were raised or the way that they think, but if you acknowledge it, it can lead to understanding, and if you understand it, it can lead to a deeper relationship, which obviously is what most businesses built on is relationships with our customers and clients. So I, I love that perspective. We're talking here with Jen McFarland on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. As I said earlier, the show is always sponsored by PowerTexting.com, and they give away a free trip. And um, some of those trips are to foreign countries where you can, you can learn more about different cultures while you're vacationing. And if you go to PodcastTrip.com, you can register to win one of those vacations that we're going to give away. And, and Jenna, I want to um, bring up one thing that, that you have learned and all of us probably have learned in some way in our life, and that's the opportunity to give back. Not, not everything is for sale and not everything needs to be held close to the vest. And you've got your blog where you give great information to people just to learn more about themselves and what they can do in their business to help make good pivots. You've got Jen's Picks, which is uh, a list of recommended small business growth tools. Uh, Jen has created it. So you don't just have to go to Google and say, what's the best? She's actually created a list of tools that you can use that can be helpful in your business. And then you have your podcast where, like me, you give ideas, give thoughts, bring other people on. Tell us a little bit about the podcast and 
what third paddle means. Why did you name it the third paddle podcast? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, when I was a kid um, and I got stuck, uh, my mom would be like, well, you're up a crick, you know, and, and you know, how are you going to get out of that? And, um, and that's the basis for the third paddle is sometimes we get stuck as business owners and we just need a little bit of direction to get out. Like if you're, you know, up a creek, um, sometimes you need an extra paddle. So that's the third paddle is to just get a little bit of help to help you get out. And on that show, we talk about, I mean, all different kinds of things. I talk to different business owners. They share uh, their transformational journey because sometimes just hearing about how somebody else got to where they're at, you can really find those pieces to really help you get unstuck. And then sometimes we talk about some very tactical things that will help your business get ahead. A lot of the work that I do is consulting with small businesses. I have a big contract right now with the city of Portland where we're helping people build all of those foundational pieces um, for digital marketing. And believe it or not, there's a lot you can do before you even get to something like social media. And that's the basis for Jen's Picks, which is putting in all of these Really, you know, just getting the best software that you can for the lowest price. There's some really great enterprise software out there that you can use for a long time to really be pillars for your business that will take you a long ways before you have to make a change. Because the key is to find the best tools you can that will support you for the longest term. I work with a lot of people who um, didn't, didn't build the foundations of their business in a way that really serves them. And then, unfortunately, three or five years into their business, they need to go back and redo things. So I created Jen's Picks because I was on Facebook and people are always crowdsourcing for ideas. So when I come across it, I'm like, hey, check this out. <laughs> I've done all the research for you. <laughs> go to my website. And people don't even have to sign up um, it's, it's really just there as a resource because I do feel like the more we can give back, um, the, the better off that we are. And some people look at that list and the reasons why, and they decide to hire me because it's a little bit overwhelming when you're just getting started. Um, but the key is to get, to get the right tools in place so that then you can focus on things like client attraction, which is what you work on, to really further your business. But as you know, if people are spending too much time working on other parts, um, then you're not working on the revenue generating pieces. So I really help people get some of those foundational parts in so they can focus on making money. <laughs> which, which isn't the most important thing. Helping others is the most important thing. But making money, obviously, is what makes business go around. So appreciate you <laughs> highlighting that. And you can go to Jen McFarland. That's McFarland with a D. Um, dot com and Jen's picks and her podcast and her blog are all right there uh, available and free for you to get information from. And so I, I appreciate you um, bringing up what I do, which is client attraction. How do you find your clients and what have you found as successful techniques that are working for you today? Oh, wow. You know, so when I first got started, it was the same maybe as it is for everybody where it was all just word of mouth. And, um, and then it just kind of built from there. Now I work a lot on um, being very present in my community. 
Um, a lot of what I teach other people is about the importance of networking and getting out there. Um, the podcast actually makes a lot of the things that I talk about very much more accessible to people. And so I use a, a lot of different tools to get people to come in. I find that you can't just focus on one thing. Um, I do have a social media presence, um, but I'm also, like I said, super active in my community. Um, I will meet with anybody. <laughs> I have a lot of spaces on my calendar um, to also just have coffee with somebody and, have, and make time. I find that if you make space for meeting people, uh, because you realize it does take up to nine touch points with somebody, um, that, that that's how you really attract the good clients. Like I want, I want people to know what I'm about and to meet with me um, because fit really matters for me. And the, the two important points, obviously we talked about time earlier and, and creating time, and you do that structurally by blocking off times on your calendar to meet with people, and that becomes part of your day. And, and, and touching people multiple times. On social media, it seems that we're out there looking to find new people that don't know us, where in many cases it's the people that already know us or have been exposed to us that, that are the ones easier to, um, to turn into clients. So when you're out in the community and you see people mul multiple times, how do you turn those interactions, that beginnings of a friendship, into a business relationship? Oh wow. Well, uh you know, a lot of times it's it's the environment where we're seeing each other, right? So we're usually in some sort of business or um networking kind of framework. So it's very easy to direct the conversation toward, "Hey, how how are things going? Are you working on anything in your business that how's it going?" you know, and and we just kind of start migrating into those areas. Um, and then it's about being honest about the parts that you can really help somebody with. Um, and, and that's usually how I do it, you know, is, is by doing it that way. But again, there are some people that, you know, I also co-host an online networking group um, a few times a month. And so there are a lot of people who consider that they've had several touch points with me that I may not know very well because there are a lot of people in that room. So you never know. People are always paying attention so it's important for you to always tell people exactly what it is that you do and how you can help them. And that's what helps um, keep you more on the business side than maybe totally going down the friendship road where it becomes much more difficult to work together. I love that. And that's a great way to, to end it is always let people know what it is you do because most people don't know what we do. They may know us really well, but they may have no idea what we do, and therefore we're not top of mind for them if they need us, or top of mind for them if they find someone else who needs us. So I really appreciate you bringing that perspective. Jen, I appreciate you taking time today and, and sharing your thoughts and, and sharing the picks that you have and sharing your podcast with others. It's a, a great way for small business owners to learn more from you. Thanks again for your time and appreciate um, you've given these nuggets to the, to the listeners today. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome, and thanks, everyone, for listening to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA Podcast, Lessons You Just Can't Learn in School. Thanks again, and look forward to you. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA. 
download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.